Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Guys, today I'm so excited to introduce you to a guest that I discovered way back in 2014, which feels really long ago. It was five years ago. And she's the best-selling author of the book, Successful People Are Full of Crap. Crap standing for courage, resilience, authenticity, and perseverance. She's a dynamic speaker who I actually had the pleasure to finally meet live after years of Instagram friending. (laughs) We've been friends on Instagram for a while. She's a multi-six-figure coach who's assisted many others to get to six and even seven figures in the business. She's an amazing course creator. I've actually taken a ton of her courses and she's a confidence pro who's been featured in the likes of Forbes, Inc., Success, HuffPost, Latina Magazine, just to name a few. And that's just really the business side of things. She's also a former U.S. Marine who served 10 years and is an Iraqi war vet, guys. She's serious business. She's a wife and mother of two beautiful young ladies. Those two young ladies are Isabella and Valentina, and she's just such a firecracker. She gets things done, and she really gets you off your butt to do things, too, if you ever get the chance to work with her. And above all, the reason I love her is that she's a genuine individual who really gives it to you straight every single time without the flop. So today we're going to chat all things confidence and putting on events. And it's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to the host of Real Talk with Rachel Luna podcast, Ms. Rachel Luna herself. Hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. What an <laughs> intro. Are you tired? Oh my goodness. I feel like you were, you said way too many nice things. Thank you. I received That's you. It. That's oh. all you. That bio is Thank all you. you. And I'm I so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy you hopped on this podcast with me so soon because we're like a month into this podcast and you're like, yeah, I don't care. I'm coming on with you. So that's great. Yeah, of course. I love you. So that was <laughs> a no brainer. Thank you, girl. And I know people will listen to that amazing bio of yours and they may not be able to see themselves reflected in it, but I know it's not been easy for you your entire life or in the words of Langston Hughes, right? He always says like, well, he didn't always say, he said it once. Life for me ain't been no crystal stare. And I know for you, it hasn't been. I know both of your parents died of AIDS when you were younger and you and your brothers and sisters were split up. You saw a lot as a Marine. You had a lot of past difficulties with the alcohol abuse. You currently have ADHD that you talk about frequently as an entrepreneur. And I know that in of itself brings a lot of complications. So Mm -hmm. tell me, how did all these situations contribute to who you are as a woman today? Well, it's really interesting because I used to say that all of those things created me to be built to survive. So I always used to think that all of those experiences helped me and built me up to be a survivor. And I was very, very proud of that, that um, despite all the things, I didn't become a statistic. I should have, right? Technically speaking, I've been watching this incredible Netflix series called Girls Incarcerated. And it's absolutely heartbreaking to watch these young teenage girls who've been abused, who've dealt with alcoholism and just coming from broken homes and how they turn to these lives of crime and how no matter you know, how many times they go to juvenile detention or to the correctional facilities, they keep going back into the pattern. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, 
I did keep cycling into a pattern of self-sabotaging behavior, but I really believe that it was my faith in God that kept me from being a statistic because Mm -hmm. I always heard a very uh, quiet but powerful voice telling me, you were not created for this. You were created for more. You, mm-hmm. you, ha- you have been marked, you have been anointed. There's a bigger plan and you're supposed to be doing bigger and better. So go do bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And when did you find that faith? Like, was that something you had growing up or is it something you discovered as you grew? I, I had it intermittently growing up. So mm-hmm. my biological mother did have me baptized as a Catholic. And my, my mother who raised me, who's visiting me right now, watching my kids while we do this interview. Hi, Hi mom. mom. And she was at Confidence Activated. You saw her there. She sent me to private Catholic school because that's what my birth mother wanted. My birth mother always wanted me to go to private school. She never had the money. So had she survived, I never would have gone to private school. Mm-hmm. But, um, but so my, my, my mom honored her wishes and I went to Catholic school. And at Catholic school, they teach you about God and you do your first communion. But on the weekends, my cousins would pick me up and take me to like a Protestant church, a Mennonite church. Mm-hmm. And I grew up knowing the Lord. I knew, I grew up knowing that God loved me, but I didn't really understand the depth of God's love. I didn't understand the difference between religion and relationship. So for many, many decades, even I would say, I didn't have a relationship with God. I had a religion mm-hmm. and I would read my Bible and I would say my Hail Marys and do my Our Fathers and I would light the candles in the Catholic church, but then I would go and play the tambourine in the Protestant church. And there was a lot of mixture. And here's the thing about mixture. And this is because I don't want to like make this a religious podcast. Is that, you know, we're going to talk about tactical things, but I do want to talk about double-mindedness because Mm -hmm. double-mindedness, whether it's in your spiritual walk or your business walk or your relationship walk is the key to distraction and destruction. Because when you are double-minded, when you have mixture, you are straddling the fence. And there's no faith in straddling the fence. You have to actually jump over the fence to see what's on the other side. You actually have to take that step and cross over to really discover who you are and what your purpose is and what the plan is for you. Mm -hmm. So because I had all this mixture, I didn't really understand what God was calling me to do or who he was calling me to be or who he had created me to be. And I think it was through the series of epic fails. (laughs) (laughs) that I realized like, wait a second, girl, there's something more to this whole thing with God that supersedes showing up on Sundays. Cause I was showing up on Sundays, but then I was getting high and drinking on Monday and sleeping around on Tuesday. And that, that wasn't in alignment. That Rachel is just like, I'm telling it all to you and I'm giving it to you without the fluff. Love her. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was an adulterous whore. And with the same mouth that I would declare Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I would, you know, say all kinds of nasty things to my lover. (laughs) That's not right. That's not who I was called to be. That's not how I was raised. That's not that was not the mark for my life. Who would you say you are today then? Who, are, who have you become? Who are you called to be? Well, I would like to say that I have become a woman who has a deep, passionate relationship with the Lord. I would love to say that I'm a Proverbs 31 woman, but let's be real. Your girl's not there yet. 
Um, I'm still very, very much a work in progress. I still have the exact same faith struggles and fear issues and, you know, doubts that every other human being on the planet experiences. I'm not exempt to that. I believe that I'm just someone who has a different set of tools from which to operate and experience those challenges. So for example, I received some very jarring news. And when I got the news, I remember thinking like, wait, what? A time really stood still for me. And if you ever see in a movie where they say something and the, the camera like pulls all the way out really quickly and then it kind of like zooms back in and, and the person's trying to figure out like, wait, what just happened? Yes. And I'm almost predicting what I know you're going to say, but I'm listening. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say yet. Okay. <laughs> so... So when that happened, I remember thinking, wait, what? Most people ask, why me? That was never the question in my mind. It wasn't why me. It was, wait, what? No. How could that be? And so I began to pray over my life. I began to speak healing. I began to, to say all these things. But there was a little voice in my head that was saying, no, this is it for you. You're done. You know, the lies. Mm -hmm. And I think that for someone who doesn't have relationship with God, those lies are really extra. They're, they're dangerous to everybody. But when you don't know how much God loves you, when you don't believe, when you don't have that relationship where you could be like, yo, God, uh -huh, you said you love me, do something and, and be able to boldly say that to God. Then, then you go into this pattern of like, uh-oh, I'm, I'm a hopelessness is the word mm -hmm. I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was really able and I've been able to walk in that like, no, God, you said that I'm healed and I'm whole. So I don't accept it. I don't come into agreement. I'm not declaring it. I'm not saying it. I'm not owning it. I don't care what they said. God, you are my final authority. I only believe what you say. And your word says that I am healed. Your word says that you will give me long life and that I will enjoy the sal your salvation in Psalm 91. And I began to remind God of his word. And I think that's really important as well. And by the way, like for the person who's listening, is like, yeah, well, I don't believe in your God. Okay, that's fine. Whatever you believe in, double down. Stop straddling the fence. Stop mm -hmm. calling God and the universe the same entity because they're not the same. If you're going to worship the universe, go worship the universe. Go all in. But if you're going to worship God, don't disrespect him by saying you, you are synonymous with that which you created because he's not. So for example, like you have incredible courses. You are not the course. Are you the course? I am not the course. You are not the course. Your identity has nothing to do with the course that you created. Is that true? That is true. I create the courses. I do the things. This podcast isn't me though, for instance. Yeah. Right. So then why would we try to minimize God to say, yes, you are almighty. You are powerful. You created the universe, but you are also the universe. When you do that, you take away some of the power. Anyway, that, I'm going to get off the soapbox on that. The whole point <laughs> is whatever you believe in, get Double rooted down. in your beliefs. Double down. Get really, get grounded. I did a post and I lost 400 followers in like three hours. That's the post where you talked about the universe and God thing. Yeah. I think I remember that one, the pink one. 
the pink one. And, and I'm sure and you, could, you did not care. I'm sure you're like, bye, girl, no, bye. I didn't care at all. No, I didn't care at all. <laughs> but I, let me rephrase that. I cared that people were so triggered and I cared how people were metabolizing my statements because it reinforced to me that there's still so much pain in this world and that there's still so many people who misunderstand and feel misunderstood. And I had a deep level of compassion for those people. But what really struck out is that first of all, I had posted that exact same post several months before and it didn't get the static that it got on this particular go round of me posting. It was a recycled post. What You're in a really different stage st- of your life, see? So it's likely just cleaning up where, who does not belong. Who in- doesn't belong, yeah. All right, yeah. What was interesting is that in, in that post, some of the comments, people were deeply, gravely offended. And my response was, if you were really grounded in what you believed, my beliefs would not offend you. You would just look at me and think, well, she's ignorant, so what? And move on. And move on. But because they needed to prove that they were right and I was wrong because of their own insecurities, it really took on a different meaning for them. And so I began to ask myself, examine in my own life, where do I do that? Because Mm -hmm. see, it's easy to be like, well, you're just a hater and you're just a that. That's such not the right way to do things. When a a situation like that occurs, it's an opportunity for you to get introspective and reflective and just ask Mm -hmm. yourself, where do I do that? Oh, I love that. Yeah, for sure. Whenever you see others getting triggered, asking yourself, in what part of your life do you feel that same annoyance? Or where do you feel that same reaction? Or where do you have that same reaction? Mm-hmm. No, 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 that's great. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's awesome. So you'd say that it's your faith and your confidence in that faith that has brought you through those difficult times. And that may be some of the things that those others you've seen on that Netflix series didn't have. So yeah, no, I get that completely. And I mm-hmm. know you've recently wrapped up confidence activated which I attended and it was amazing guys from the last second like soon as it ended I ran to Rachel and I'm like you have to do this again (laughs) I do it again and she kept giving me like the caps if it was just amazing and it appeared from the outside looking in that every single detail was thought of that every single Mm -hmm. thing was done perfectly and I know in your world you're like yeah no that's not what happened so no no. (laughs) can you share share though what type of commitment is required for running an event like that like what does it well first of all thank you for the compliments thank you for being in the room because your presence made it what it was and i i really believe that that's something very important that we need to take into consideration whether it's a program a live event a workshop or anything like that we live in this me 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 society this very narcissistic arena where there's this belief that whoever is the coordinator is the reason why something is so special and so incredible. And that is not true. The reason why Confidence Activated was so amazing is because amazing people walked into the room, because powerful people sat in those chairs, because all of the people that attended were active participants, except for one who was really, really rude and mean to my staff. No way. (laughs) Yeah, but there's always one. And And it's important that we talk about that for anybody who wants to put on an event, but it's important that we don't overly fixate on the one. There will always be one person who is a negative naysayer, hater, 
whatever. I don't worry about that person because I understand that that person is operating from a spirit of lack, a spirit of fear, a spirit of rejection, a spirit of self-hatred, a spirit of self-sabotage. There's so many forces operating in that one individual that are causing the outward manifestation of an unpleasant person. So whereas in the past, I'd be like, oh, she's nasty. I look at the person and I just silently pray like God, set her free. Set your child child free from all of the things that are operating in her. When there are pieces of ourselves that we don't get along with, and I think it's very important that when we feel that trigger or the anger or bitterness or jealousy, that we call it out and we say, jealousy, get out of me. You don't belong here. Fear, Mm -hmm. go now. You don't belong here. I wasn't called to have a spirit of fear, but to have a spirit of might and of power. So Mm -hmm. it's important that you understand like what your spiritual DNA is made up of. Anyway, so what it takes to put on an event. Oh gosh. (laughs) Determination and commitment and a spirit of risk. You can't have an aversion to risk to do a live event at that scale. And let's, for the people that didn't attend, let's back up and let's define what at that scale means. Mm -hmm. So the total expense for me to put that event together was well over 90,000. I think we're close to about $100,000 in expenses. Mind you, walking into the room, we were operating at a $30,000 loss. Okay. So I just want you to think about that. Mm -hmm. You've been working for 10 months, promoting, trying to sell tickets, trying to fill the room, trying to get all the details right. And on the day that the event starts, you are negative $30,000. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. And this is why I love you. One, because you're just sharing the numbers and you're sharing the accurate numbers that no, no, look, it wasn't like this. However, what else I love about you is you are an innovator. So you may have seen that in 30,000 and I know you came up with things and maybe you had those things even prior to going in that helped to adjust that as well. Because I know you were selling things through the event as well that likely assisted with that. So Rachel, you're awesome. Yeah, Yeah. Thank, thank you. Yeah, I think it's important that we talk about the real numbers. You know, one thing I really, really have um, issue with and take great offense in our industry is when people talk about, I had $100,000 a month, but they're spending $60,000 in Facebook ads and their profit margin is like $1,000 if that, if Mm -hmm. they're even profitable. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's like you're... You're selling a concept that is not profitable. You're preying on people with these vanity numbers. Talk to me about how much money you have left over at the end of the day. That's Mm -hmm. what I want to know. Don't sit here and tell me that you put together this quarter of a million dollar event without telling me, did you make the money back? Because one thing I had gone to events like this before and everyone told me, I mean, it was told to me all the time. 
you cannot make money on events the first time. You either have to focus on experience or profit, but you can't do both. And I refuse to accept that. That's another little nugget is that you have to be willing to reject societal norms. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to reject the statistics. You have to be willing to reject what they said, because who the heck is they? Mm -hmm. I don't listen to they. I listen to God. Okay, I wanted to pause this really quickly to touch on what Rachel was talking about just now, which is not paying attention to they, quote unquote. And this is something I talk about frequently because often we are worrying about what they say. This group of individuals who's anonymous that we have no idea who they are. It's just what society deems to be acceptable or what statistics say is supposed to be the result of whatever it is that you've done or you've been through. And that is something that you can reject. You do not have to accept something because that's what's the norm for everyone else. You are unique. You have your own set of possibilities. And as long as you believe that you can get through and do it, what they say doesn't matter. I don't listen to they. Who is they? Because they couldn't do it doesn't mean that you can't do it. They're only operating from their experience. I went to the doctor and he was rattling off all these statistics. And I looked at him and I said, y'all just really intent on just telling me Nothing but negative news, huh? Is it, is it, I mean, how much longer are you going to keep me in here rattling off these numbers? Mm-hmm. Because I don't hear you telling me anything positive. And from the information that you're giving me, I don't believe that I can make a really good informed decision. And then he said, Rachel, statistics are just statistics. And it's my job to tell you them. I have to tell you them. But you never know which side of the statistic you're going to land on. So the reality is everyone has a 50-50 chance. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so profound. Yeah. Because but imagine those- the person that doesn't ask that or doesn't say, you know, like, are you going to sit here and tell me all of that? The person that just sits there and takes it in and becomes oh, those numbers. My heart know? breaks for them. My heart breaks for those people. Which is why you have to have a strong backbone of faith. Mm-hmm. Like you, what I'm telling you, friends, whatever you believe in, double down. You need that. You need a backbone of faith to pull you through. And if you want to know my God, you feel free to slide into my DMs at Girl Confident on Instagram. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I am a, just a sinner who's just trying to do her best. I'm not judgmental. I am just, you know, the least trying to do the most. But anyway, what I loved, what he said is that, you know, you don't know which side of the statistic you're going to be on. So while everyone told me, you know, most people don't, most people don't, most people don't. I thought like, well, great. Most people don't, but I can and Mm -hmm. I will. Mm -hmm. Now, fun fact is that I really believed that I was going to sell out the event and that I was going to fill 500 seats. I remember you saying that. I remember people telling me that I couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it. You know how many times I cried? over the numbers. I remember having multiple, not one or two, again, I'd say not one or two breakdowns, multiple breakdowns Mm -hmm. in the eight months of like, why not me? Why, why can't I sell this thing out? Why, why, what am I not doing? First of all, there was a lot of things I wasn't doing. So let's be clear on that. (laughs) But second of all, My faith was wavered. But third of all, I believe that sometimes we're focusing on the wrong prize. Mm -hmm. So 
people were telling me that I couldn't do it. And guess what? I kept saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove them wrong. And I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't do it. I, we, at the end of the day, we did, we had 209 people in the room, which was, I think still amazing it from the first amazing. event. Mm -hmm. And the event looked amazing. Everything worked out great. But then I realized that I was chasing the wrong number for I the was, wrong reason. I was just asking, I was going to say, are you, do you think that you were focused on proving them wrong rather than focused on what you can do or who you can transform in that event? Yeah. And that taught me a great lesson of stop trying to prove them wrong and instead focus on proving myself right. Mm -hmm. And so once I made that shift, we were a couple, maybe like a month away. And I said, you know what? I'm done selling tickets. I'm not selling any more tickets. Whoever's in the room is in the room. And then people started to come out of the woodwork talking about, please, can you open it up for me? Hey, I want to share with this person. Can I sell tickets? And I just released it. I said, whoever wants to sell tickets, y'all go ahead and sell those tickets. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting any more energy into chasing this when what I really need to focus on is making it an incredible experience for the people that raised their hands and said yes. Mm -hmm. Those are my priority. And so it was wonderful. So just to answer, let me give you some tactical stuff because I feel like there's somebody who's like, can you give me something I can actually do? So go get your pen and paper right now. <laughs> so number one, you have to be incredibly committed to the outcome for the attendee, mm -hmm. for the attendee, not for your bank account, not for how you think it's going to make you look, but for them. Mm -hmm. what, is the, what do you want them to experience? What's the journey that you want to take them on? Understand that in the beginning. Because if you understand that in the beginning, it's also easier to sell. You see, when I came up with the idea for Confidence Activated, I didn't know what journey I wanted to take them on. I just knew that one day I wanted it to be mindset and the second day I wanted it to be tactical business strategy. That's all I knew. Mm -hmm. Well, what ends up happening is that there are some people who love you, who will move in faith and buy a ticket no matter what you're doing. Most of the people are not like that. Most of the people want a schedule and an agenda and they want to know exactly what they're going to get and exactly what they're going to learn and they need every possible detail those people drive me crazy because i am not a details person when it comes to outlining the experience because i know that i operate on a whole different playing field you see i could come up and create a syllabus but if the spirit moves in me i'm gonna go off the syllabus and I'm going to give you something better that I couldn't have known 10 months when I was planning the event was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Because you, one thing I do as well is that I take the time to talk to people while they're waiting. Mm -hmm. I talk to the attendees. I talk to and I'm listening to their stories, especially like the people that come to VIP. I'm listening to what, they're, what the need is. And I'm picking up and I'm being guided as to, okay, we're going to cover this, this, and this. But the real pain in the room is this. So shame was one of the things that we covered, remember? Mm -hmm. Shame was not on the agenda. Shame was not on the agenda. But because I spoke to so many women and I was listening to their stories the day before, I kept hearing there's too much shame in this room and we got to set them free. Even Tell a lot you. of the people that came up and asked questions, they were centered around shame as well. So yeah, it's great that you even followed that guidance to be able to deliver an even more powerful experience for everyone sitting in that room. Mm -hmm. Which takes me to point number two is trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. Trust that inner voice. Trust the Holy Spirit. There were a lot of things that I wanted to do that people were like, no, let's not do this. Let's save money here or do this, do that. There, there will be so much information 
information that comes at you. And I can't remember like what the thing was that my team and I were arguing over, but we were arguing about something. And by the way, like on my team, everyone has a voice. So you're welcome to argue with me. Um, And then I just veto whatever needs to be vetoed. And I can't remember what it was, but I said, I don't care. We're done. This is what I want. This is what will happen. And that's the end of it. I'm not up for discussion. This isn't a negotiation. There's no democracy on this point either fall in line or I don't know what to tell you. And I very, very rarely do that. Yeah. Come out of my face like that with my team. If they're really excited about an idea, I'm pretty amenable to like, okay, well, let's try it. I'm very like, well, let's just roll the dice and see what happens. But I was so glad that I stuck to my guns. I can't remember what the point was, but I remember that I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how so would you stick- go ahead? No, I was gonna say, so stick to your guns. Go ahead and ask me the question. I, I won't lose my points. So how would you say you decipher between all that information coming in? Because I know a lot of people, especially those women listening to this podcast, they, you know, we're, we're just overloaded with information from so many sources at the moment. What would you say? What advice would you give to them who may be looking at either running an event or creating mm-hmm. a course or whatever it is, and they just see so many different ways of doing things? I know there aren't no official, aren't yeah. any official rules, but what advice do you have for them who's got all these things coming at them and they're like, how do I make my decision? Like how you firmly made your yeah. decision? Well, don't be afraid to break the rules for starters. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to break the rules because it's your event. You get to set your rules. The other thing is go to other live events. That's the best way you can figure out what makes an incredible event is to go to other events and be nitpicky. Not Not because you're trying to hate on them, but because you're cultivating the experience for yourself. So for my event, for example, I don't ever really love those lanyards. I mean, they're fine, but it's just like they all say the same thing. Oh, yours was awesome. My lanyards were the best. The it was best. A credit card. It's not up for debate. Like hers was amazing. Because I wanted, you know, what do we do with those lanyards? We throw them away. And I wanted to create something that someone would say, like, no, I'm not throwing this away. I'm keeping this. That was me. I looked at Dean. I looked at my husband and I'm like, man, we were because we were actually moving. We're moving country. So I was looking at him like, do I keep this? Do I keep this? It's like, but it's over. I'm like, but it's cute. <laughs> Like, yeah. Well, yeah. well, and and you and many others that other people have framed theirs. One woman, she said that she was looking at her lanyard and it gave her the confidence to go and sign a client. So Ooh, I, I thought that. about, yeah. So you got to think about everything that you give someone should have a purpose. Don't just fill a bag with crap for no reason. Mm-hmm. Don't just put a folder together with papers just to give them stuff. And just I have to, to interject here. Mm-hmm. Just say you had an amazing bag. So Rachel had like the CBD oil. I think it was from Angelia. It was Angelia's Soul yes. CBD. I think it's called the company. And I can put a link down below in the show notes for that as well. But she had these awesome bath bombs that were great mm-hmm. for like anxiety and relaxation and stuff like that. It seemed like everything in the bag, like you said, had purpose. And I know mine had like the 90 day planner. It just had mm-hmm. so many great things. And even the little vegan bars. I forget which what the brand was now. The little vegan like it was oh. like a you know, vegan. Bo- yeah, yeah, yeah. We had two bars. We had the muscle up bars and we had the buff bait. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, 
and those ones, they were amazing. So it felt just like everything. And your pen was adorable. It actually reminded me a bit of my wedding pen. It had like these little crystal jewels and this clear case at the end. It was just so cute and it had confidence activated. So I felt like this is what I meant. And you say you're not about the details. And I know you mean like as far as putting the agenda and making sure we're sticking to it because you yeah. like things to, you know, but you were on the details at this point, even right down to her podium, you guys. I've never seen a podium like that. So the podium <laughs> was literally like glistening from the stage. It looked like diamonds from where I was sitting. What? Yeah, it was, it was a crystal podium. Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. So you, you, she pays attention to the details that matter to her, right? The details that matter to me. Yes, I am very big into experience details. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very big into the way an environment makes me feel. Mm -hmm. And so I knew one of the reasons I chose the venue that I chose, even though it was the most expensive venue, that area of Atlanta, was because I walked in and it made me feel so good. Undecorated, the space felt luxurious. The space felt opulent. The space felt upgraded. Mm -hmm. And I wanted every woman and man that walked through that door to feel that they had just been elevated into a new dimension. Mm -hmm. And it was at and the Whitley Hotel, guys. At the Whitley Hotel in Atlanta. If you do an event, let them know that Rachel Luna sent you. And let them that. know that I said, as soon as I left there, I'm like, I am not coming to Atlanta and staying anywhere else. This place was yeah. perfect. It was within walking distance of the mall and also like a Target and a few other things. But the location itself, the service of the people that were there, everything was just so spectacular. Rachel. That was important too for me. Um, and that was another reason that I chose... I I went to Atlanta to survey different hotels mm -hmm. and I also negotiated with them to comp my stay for a weekend so that I could experience what it was like for the guests. Boss moves. Guys, did you hear that? She made them comp her stay so that she could explain how that experience was or even feel how that experience would be. And it's a smart business move on their part because should she choose them, that means they're going to be filling up the rooms, right? But mm -hmm. a lot of people may be afraid to take that step and even request something that's really going to help benefit both parties at the end of the day. I was totally scared to ask too. I mean, don't think I wasn't nervous of getting, re nobody likes boss. rejection. <laughs> nobody likes rejection. I don't like it at all, but I was willing to experience it if I had to for the sake of getting what I needed so that we could have a wonderful event. So mm -hmm. um, other things that you really want to think about is your budget. Now I have a champagne taste and I had like Coca-Cola budget. I didn't even have a beer budget. I had like a Coke budget. And, and it was challenging to stay on budget. We went over budget. <laughs> and that was with cutting things out. Like when you say that no detail, girl, so many details did not make it because of budget. And it was heartbreaking. Really? Like um, what? Give me one. Give me oh one thing that you gosh, really wanted. I really, really, really wanted two things. One, I really, really, really wanted this floral balloon archway mm -hmm. i wanted it so bad and then the next month i went to my friend tiffany montgomery event millions conference which was amazing and, and she had the balloon archways with the florals and i was like oh my dream <laughs>
you still got that just in a different capacity right the other thing that i wanted i wanted more experiential things for the guests so i wanted to do these glow sticks these thunder sticks that were glow in the dark and i wanted to use them both in the room and at the silent dance party so that was tough i wanted to have like a full full shop like a merchandise shop but one thing you don't realize is that okay well here was a mistake i made so write this down make sure that when you do your checkout page get their sizes have them click their Mm -hmm. t-shirt size so then you know what you should be ordering Mm -hmm. because one of the reasons why we didn't have merchandise was because I didn't know the sizes and I didn't want to be stuck with merchandise and and then it's so expensive it's thousands of dollars just to get maybe a dozen of every size in one design Mm -hmm. so that was Sure, you wanted a great quality shirt and all of that. Yeah, so like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Shirt printed yeah. that would be cheaper, but no. And see, and you're saying these things that you didn't have, and I'm sitting here like, oh my goodness, imagine that. But I did not know that, and that's the thing. The people in your audience don't know. So Rachel said a few things that I want to get into. So this one she just said about the things she wished she had, but you know the budget just didn't allow at the time. The audience had no idea, and they still enjoyed every single except for that one person, but we're not talking about her. Enjoyed absolutely <laughs> everything that was there. And, oh goodness, I lost my train of thought. What was the other thing I, you had mentioned? Um, oh, yeah. asking for their size. No, 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 it wasn't the size. The size is brilliant, by the way. That's a brilliant thing. No, we'll get back to it. Fine. Mm. <laughs> but that leads me to the next question. And I know there were some things that, you know, you look back on and you know you wish you would do differently. So outside of the things you mentioned just now that may not have been in the budget, what are things that you, if you, if, capital IF, you do it again. If you run this event again, which I really hope you do, and I'll make sure you guys come. And I'm actually bringing someone with me VIP. I'm already claiming it. I already told Rachel, but I'm telling all of you guys now, right? So I'm bringing someone with me, one of my VIP members, VIP to Rachel's event. But if you were doing it again, what would you do differently? And what would you make sure that you keep? Because something that some things that worked really well that you would definitely do again. Okay. Um, what I would do differently is I would manage my stress differently. And it's interesting because even talking about it right now and talking about that event, my stomach is in knots. Really? Yeah. It was, I didn't handle it well because a part of their, and you know what, I'm going to pray the spirit away. Thank you for this conversation because I didn't recognize, but there's like a diva spirit in me that has to go now in the name of Jesus. And I just command you to go diva spirit right now. It took over. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I mean by that is... When, so we would have these weekly reports, weekly team meetings, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, okay, so give me an update. And if the update wasn't ready, or if I asked the question and someone didn't have an answer for me, I would get so annoyed. But here's the thing. I didn't do a good job of training the, the people that were giving me these reports to how I wanted a report given to me. Mm-hmm. And that was a leader. That was my own leadership flaw. So this is really important. If you're going to be leading a team, by the way, if you want to host an event, 200 person at large scale where you're doing audio visual, which, and if you're looking at audio visual, you're on the cheap side, $15,000 minimum. But you know, it could be the, the first quote I got for audio visual was 37,000. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna have to go, you know, find someone else. If you are, you are going to need help. Please don't think that you're going to be able to do all of this on your own because 
that's not helpful. So I'd get very, very frustrated. I would also get very frustrated when details were missing. So here's the thing about me and details. I don't like details on a sales page. I don't like to like write details. I don't like to write details down. And that's why uh, I love you because I skip the sales page. If I know I want something, I look for, I'm like, where are the hacks, the buy button? I hate yeah, where's the, the buy button. <sighs> where's the buy button and give me a quick summary. Like right. that's all I need. Me too. Um, but when it comes to having to make decisions, I need details so that I can make the best decision. And one thing I hated, oh my gosh, and I, I'm sorry, Lord, that I'm using the word hate, but the one thing that was like such a huge source of frustration was when I'd only get half of the information mm -hmm. and I couldn't make decisions. And so what was happening is that problems were being highlighted to me with no solution in sight. And I discovered about myself is that that creates a lot of friction and frustration for me internally. Mm -hmm. So you, so really, I guess the best thing I would say is know yourself, know how you like to receive information, know how you like to make decisions and teach your people accordingly. Because the reality is that my team is amazing. They are incredible. And there's no way I could have done it without them. But I, did, I didn't set them up for success. So that was on me. But see, and that's another thing I love about you, Rachel, because a lot of people would see this and it would be the team's fault. You don't play the blame game, right? No. You somebody out if something's done wrong, but then you always reflect and take it internal. And I actually... Well, there was I, one thing. It was? <laughs> Tell us. Tell us. Wait, what was the one you said you actually what? I actually remembered the other thing I was saying that you had mentioned that I just wanted to recap, but we could get to that afterwards. What was the one thing? Okay, write it down. I wanted a donut wall, even though I'm gluten-free and I knew <laughs> I there was like not going to be- you mentioning that. Oh, I was so hot about this. <laughs> Listen, I am a Puerto Rican with a temper. And when I expect something to be done correctly, like I'm, it's my expectation. I want you to live up to my expectation. So um, I had a vision for a donut wall in the VIP lounge and to have at the silent dance party. Mm -hmm. Someone on my team said she could build it. I said, great. It was going to save us like hundreds of dollars from mm -hmm. buying one on Etsy. Mm -hmm. She buys the supplies builds it. Another girl from the team drives it up, stinks out her car with the smells and the fumes of the spray paint and everything. She never tested the freaking wall. Oh, she never tested to see if it would work. Oh, so there we are on the day of the event, no donut wall and a hundred donuts. Oh goodness. Where did they go? See, exactly. They were there at the silent dance party, but they were just on a table. And instead FYI, of I fell asleep for the silence dance party, guys. I was supposed to go? I wanted to because I read a book recently about it and I'm oh. like, oh, that sounds cool. And yeah, it was the coolest. <sighs> So it was the coolest. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody ahead. that attended that event that's having her own event, she totally loved that idea. And then she's adding, incorporating it to her event, oh, which, awesome. yeah. But then I was like, why are you biting off of my stuff? Come up with your own. <laughs> I'm sure it's a way that she can make it her own. At least I hope she does. And at least give credit where it's due as well, right? That's all right. No, so you know what? I, I used to really be big on that. Like, give me my credit. But now it's like, I know who. I am the originator. Like, <laughs> Whatever. But anyway, the donor wall did not get tested. And when I tell you I felt some type of way, because in that moment... In that instance, you should. You should. I, 
I, and at that point, I, I was like, I'm not taking responsibility for this not working. There is a responsibility and it doesn't lie with me because mm -hmm. how the heck you build a donut wall but don't test it is beyond me. And you I don't need testing anything. And I mean, Rachel's talking about a donut wall right now, guys. But thinking about any piece of your business or any piece of your event that you're looking to do, if it's actually a physical product or even if it's a program, you want to test the idea or you want to test the actual product to make sure it works. Don't waste your time. Don't waste the person's time or money if something doesn't come together. Oh my goodness. So the thing I remembered, Rachel, was you said that they should be going to events and they're going to be going to those events and figuring out what it is they loved about the events, what it is that they didn't like, what was what what it is that they would change about the event for when they have their own. Like what take what they like from events, take what they don't like mm -hmm. and create their own thing, right? And this goes for anything. So those of you who are listening, if you're writing a book, don't try to write a fiction novel and you've never read in your genre. If you are, you know, creating a program, an e-course, and you've never purchased anyone else's e-course, that's a disaster waiting to happen because you want to be able to create something through experience, right? And the only way, if you haven't created it yet, that you get that experience is by experiencing mm -hmm. other people's. So you want to go and figure out what you liked about the book. You want to create like some spiritual type fictional story that teaches lessons, read The Alchemist. You want to, mm -hmm. you know, like figuring out how to do something you've never done by looking and learning from others around you and not biting what they're doing, but using it as inspiration to create your own thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Off my soapbox exactly. now. No, so yeah, go to events, go take notes. What, what was it? Other things I wish I had done. Was that right? Or yeah, things, things I that you to wish, things that you wish you changed and then things that you did that you would definitely keep. I don't know how much I loved having an MC. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love my MC. I love her. Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like I just, I would just want the DJ to bring people. I don't know. What do you think? How was that for you as an audience member? I loved the MC. I thought oh, it was a great transition. Yeah, I loved her. And it's it's because when I saw her, and I guess the DJ would do something similar, but it's when I saw her, I knew something else was about to happen. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, as soon as I saw her starting to come to the stage and I knew how energetic she was and, you know, I'm like, oh yes, this is going to be fun. Maybe I didn't like the whole snapping thing and then raising it up. Like I was so annoyed by that. What Every time. Up? What do you mean? Oh, so remember she'd be like, okay, get low and, oh, yeah. quiet, quiet and then snap. And then and it, I was okay. like, you're messing with my music lady. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I just started loud. Okay, so I would change something like that. Yeah. So what Rachel's referring to is that before someone came on the odd um out, whether it was her or one of the other guest speakers, the music started real low and she wanted us basically to build up our energy before the speaker came on stage. Whereas we were already pumped. So we went yeah, quiet so she was and then came down back up. and then bring it yeah. back up. I was yeah, like, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and they're not getting it. Like, come on. Oh, another thing that we will absolutely not deal with if we do it again. If. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is I kept having to ask AV for the clock to start. And that was driving. I remember me. that. Yeah. That was so unacceptable. The guy had a neck pillow in the back to take a nap. No way. And he Stop lying, Rachel. No way. How could I make that up? No, no he way. had a neck pillow. Yeah. Neck and pillow. I was just like, I'll be annoyed if he was taking naps already, but you can't prepare to take naps if you're coming with a nap pillow. See? Yeah, you can't prepare to just sit here and think, you know, just be a safety. No, I need everybody 
everybody. Um, we also need uh, two monitors in the front next time. Mm-hmm. I like that um, monitor though. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, we need two monitors in the front next time. And we need a different countdown clock where the clock will start to run negative. Their clock only went to zero and then wow. they had to restart it. And that was really confusing because the speakers would watch the clock changing while they were talking. And if there's nothing more distracting than your clock changing while you're talking. And so one person, I think it was Maya, her clock restarted like two times. So her talk ended up being, I think, 20 or 30 minutes longer than we had originally anticipated. Mm -hmm. Now her fault the clock was changing right before her eyes, poor woman. Mm-hmm. See, and just so you guys understand what she's talking about, we couldn't see the clock. So on this stage, the monitor she's referring to, because she did have two big screens on the side as well for us to watch, but not that. It was like a monitor that was facing whoever was speaking that came up a bit that had the countdown clock. And did it have any slides or anything on there yeah, as well? Yeah, so okay. that's, called, that's called a confidence monitor. Mm-hmm. And you can have one where you just see the slide the same way that the audience sees it. Or you could have two where you see the slides that are coming up next as well as what they see. So you can ask for it a couple of different ways. For me personally, I like to be able to see all of the slides on one, You kind of like the PowerPoint mode so I could see which ones are coming up. But yeah, so it's, it's just to help you not lose your place, to know what's on the screen, to see what's coming up. No, that's awesome. And I hadn't seen one, and maybe I have, I just wasn't paying attention to others, but I, I hadn't seen one previous to your event. I feel like, and now I feel like if I watch someone, like I saw Tiffany's headed at her event as well, based yeah. on cameras. I Most larger most large scale events will have that monitor. And it's really, I think it's really important, especially when you're doing a large, you know, a couple hundred people event and you mm-hmm. have multiple speakers because you want everyone to stay on time and you want them to have whatever notes they need to stay on time. Mm-hmm. Timing and- is another thing is very important. Yeah. And now that you say Maya ran over and I mean, all the speakers were amazing and I had no idea she ran over actually, but, Mm -hmm. um, I did notice that we didn't get breaks in the morning or afternoon, but I didn't notice until it was lunchtime. And I'm like, I didn't even need it because the information that they all gave was so amazing. So I was like, I thought Rachel mentioned something about a break before, but then I had no idea it ran over. So see, that stuff is even lost amongst the audience because we're so consumed with the great information. And that's why it's so awesome yeah. to make sure or so good to make sure that you are on point as well as your speakers you're bringing on are on point because then the audience would totally miss all the other things that may not be going right behind the scene. So, yeah. for, so first someone looking to host an event, Rachel, what would you say is the main thing they should focus on or the main things? Would it be timing? Would it be, you know, getting a great lineup of speakers or making sure that their points are on or what? Your your guest experience. Mm-hmm. That should be your number one focus. Yeah. You should be thinking about how you want them to feel and how you want them to remember the event, what breakthroughs you intend for them to experience in the room. It's all about the guests. That mm-hmm. should be your number one priority. Um, and I feel that, that that's something that can translate into every aspect of your business. When, mm-hmm. you're, you know, when you're writing a book, you don't want to think about, well, I mean, you could possibly you think about your New York Times bestseller title, right? However, you need to be, ex- especially if it's a nonfiction book where you're looking to transform someone's life, focus on the transformation and the rest of the stuff will come into play. If you're looking at creating a course that's going to you know, help someone create a six-figure business, 
rather than focusing on, you know, all the money that you're going to make from this course, of course, your mind's going to be on your goals, what you want to target, but focus most of your attention on the transformation and the information that they're going to be getting to help create and facilitate that transformation. So no, I agree, Rachel, that's awesome. So I also saw that you were promoting a lot on Instagram on your stories, but that's because I love your stories. I'm always hanging out there. So was there anywhere else that you were advertising for the event? And what, well, which one did you find most effective if you were advertising in other places? Um, hmm. For me personally, Instagram was the most effective. Mm -hmm. We did some retargeting Facebook ads. We did some emails. I really think it was Instagram for me. But remember at the very beginning when we started talking, I said, you know, why am I not filling this out? But then I realized like I wasn't doing everything. Uh I really didn't do all the things. I didn't pull out all the stops in Mm -hmm. terms of ticket sales. And I should have. So Instagram was by far. Oh, and also I had ambassadors. So whenever anyone purchased a ticket in the first two or three months, I gave them an opportunity to become an affiliate and sell tickets. And if they sold tickets, they got 20% of the ticket sale. Plus they were entered. They... Depending on how many tickets they sold, they got the chance to possibly be a speaker and have like three minutes on stage at the event. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So you And then also, oh wait, I'm sorry. One one other thing Mm -hmm. was I was on several podcasts and on those podcasts, I promoted the event and several ticket sales came from those podcasts. See, that's interesting as well. And you're a podcaster, so you ran on other podcasts, but that's something that can, can also be beneficial for someone else who's, you know, running a business finding people that align with their brand or business. Would you agree with that? Yes, definitely. Having those partnership connections, looking for someone who has a complimentary audience to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm always looking for someone to compliment. So for example, I may or may not do a collaboration with someone who's a sales confidence coach only because we would be in direct competition, but Mm -hmm. that's it depends on how you look at it. Like my friend, Andrea Bolin, she's sales and sales confidence. She's incredible. Mm -hmm. I love to talk about, I'm happy to promote her because we do teach the same thing, but we teach it so differently. And she's, her methods are so different that it's easy for me to be like, she's great for you if X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I'm great for you if ABC. Right. So, and knowing that you're not for everybody, right? Right. And right. You're attract the right people to you. And those who aren't, if you know someone in your industry, that's a great fit for us, their style, then send them there by all means. That's exactly. collaboration over competition. Amazing. Yes. So mm-hmm. any advice, what about people who feel called to do an event and, you know, they have lots of really great information to share, lots of really awesome experience, but they are terrified of speaking publicly. Do you know that's the number one fear, even beyond like airplanes and spiders speaking? Public speaking comes above all of that. I think it was a 2017 or 18 survey I had seen. Um, I feel like my response is going to be a little controversial because I, okay. yeah. I, I think I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Go for it. I don't believe that you really want to be a speaker if you're terrified to speak. There is no way. Like I was born to be a speaker. That's I was born to be on the stage. I, and you I, can tell. 
that doesn't mean I'm not nervous. Of course I'm nervous. Of course I get, you know, like, oh, I hope I don't mess up. I hope I do good. I hope I, I hope I bless them. But I also know that that is my home. Mm-hmm. Every inch of the stage belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, that don't mean that in a conceited way. It's just that I know that one of my greatest weapons is my voice. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is medicine. And it is also the thing that will break down mountains and destroy the enemy and uplift other people to step into their purpose. Like my voice is my weapon. And so I'm going to use it for as long as a breath will come out of my mouth. I love that. So when people say to me, like, I really want to do it, but I'm scared, then you don't really want to do it. Because you will go through that fear and do what it is that you have to do, right? You'll feel that fear and do it anyway. Look, I told you in the beginning, right? Like I got some health stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Do you think that I want to eat vegan and not have salt in my, let me tell you the restrictions. We talked about, and we talked about that the other, I remember when you first tried it, like this may have been a year ago and you're like, I'm going vegan for a week. Oh my God, I'm dying. And I was like, nope, nope, forget it. Not for me. But then guess what? The doctor said, this is what will save your life. See, and do you think that is your like, do you think last year when you were even trying it out that you somehow were being prepared for this? I think I was being prepared all year long. I think I was being prepared all year long. I cannot tell you how many times I heard go into the sauna. Your body is inflamed. Did I go into the damn sauna? No. Stop eating sugar. Your body is inflamed. Did I stop eating the sugar? No. Let me tell you. I think you're talking to me right now because I... I mean, for a really long time, I was eating completely plant-based and I have pulled back lately and I've been eating a lot of crap, especially when I was (laughs) in... Orlando recently and yeah. I've been feeling like I need to go back to eating a lot a lot more plant-based so I feel like you're talking to me right now and I know then, what you were going through through your IG stories too so I have an idea of what it is that um, you're talking about well listen don't be foolish like me right because so we have to recognize that we are getting nudged in the right direction every single day all the time. Wisdom is learning, is, is taking the knowledge that you've acquired and applying it. Foolishness is hearing something and saying, yeah, but that won't be me. And just throwing it out the door. Like, don't be foolish like me. You got, listen, at some point, wisdom will smack you in the face. Yes. And I'm sure you're speaking to a lot of people listening to this podcast. When I um, first wrote my book, this is back in 2015, I remember being at like this, it was like, um, I guess it's like a fair kind of thing, not a fair, what would you call it? Like a market. And I was Mm -hmm. selling my book there and it was this random man, this random man came up to me with his dreads and stuff like that. He gave me a book. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. It's called the 10, oh goodness, it's on the, some of it's covered, the 10, Anyway, it's on my bookshelf. I'm kind of staring at it, but it's kind of covered. So anyway, it's a book all about, he was Seventh-day Adventist and he came to me. I'm like, who is this man? Why is he coming to me about this? And he's like, I have a gift for you. It was wrapped in like brown paper bag. I'm like, this is weird, but I'll take it. Thank you. Smile. And it was a book all about plant-based eating and veganism and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, kind of weird, but okay. And then I constantly kept getting it. And then I remember buying something at a pharmacy and Russell Simmons, um, Happy Vegan was right there. And I'm like, come on, like how many signs can I get and ignore? And I can tell you, I got so much clarity and so many great changes happened as a result. 
And then I just started, you know, eating more junk because even vegan junk food exists, guys. Know that yes. French fries is vegan. Oreos are plant-based, right? Um, Mint well, chocolate chip cookies, Girl Scout Thin Mints. Girl Scout Thin Mints are vegan. Yeah, those cookies that they give you on um on the airlines as well. Those I think they're like ginger type things. I forget oh, what the biscotti oh, cookies. Those are vegan yeah. as well, right? So you can and they're full of sugar. So you can get stuff that's vegan that it's not necessarily healthy for you. But I was getting pushed to eat plant based, so more plant based foods, good foods, and I've been eating a lot of fried junk, right? Mm. Um, so it's just these little nudges, and sometimes they may not be that obvious. It may be you turning on a song and listening to a word that says, you know, pick yourself up. You know, it could be so mm. many different things, but you got to pay attention to it. And I feel like Rachel's telling me to get myself back on track. And well, come on, girl, let's get back on track. And now that you, now that I heard you say this, I'm going to make it a point to check in with you. Yeah, I need to. And I feel, especially because both of my parents have had cancer, just to give you a heads up, guys, right? Mm. And I talked about this on here before. My dad has zero kidneys at the moment. Um, mm. I was actually giving him one of my kidneys after his first kidney surgery where he had cancer, a tumor on it. And he went back, we went there to give, I was giving him one of my kidneys. And when I was doing that, they discovered a big tumor on the other kidney. So he actually had to wait X amount of years because, you know, whatever um, they give you after kidney surgery kind of suppresses your immune system. So you can have cancer cells. Anyway, all that stuff. So we're now in the waiting period before I can give him my kidney, but he had cancer and my mom had esophageal cancer. So recently, so like all of these things, and they're both, thank God, they're both alive and well at the moment, but I've had these scares. I've had a tumor, a benign tumor on my own windpipe when I was a young girl. I had a surgery and I don't I don't think I spoke about this on the podcast or anywhere actually, um, where they cut out a piece of my windpipe and sewed the two ends together when I was, was I 15? I think I was 14 or 15. And they only had done the surgery three times and two of the three people before me died. Okay. Mm. So this was at, I went to Boston Mass General for kids. Was it Boston Mass General? Yeah. Boston Mass General is like a children's hospital, I think. I think. Anyway, that's where I was. So these things have happened. So I've had all these, I guess you can say, scares and reasons to begin being a bit more healthy, which is why I did turn that way. So I feel like this is definitely a wake up cold, Rachel. Yeah. It's definitely a reason we're talking about this. And have you had the genetic testing? No. Girl. What genetic testing, man? See, so I know that, I know that our DNA can change. See, so, and this is the thing. This is, I I guess it's stubbornness as well. So I'm like, nobody can define what happens to me and my body because I know that our DNA can actually change. It can. Based on what we I do. believe that. So that's why I'm like, absolutely can. So I'm like, through the can. genetic testing, but I know it's also me being stubborn and a little scared because I'm like, I don't want to know what science has to say about my body, you know? Okay, but that's foolish. I know. I know. Uh, I know. Let me let, let me let me break this down, right? Because I want to make sure it's Rachel's not just about to read you. me, guys. Food. No, it's not just you. There's somebody else listening. So here's the thing. I get. I was going in for a biopsy, and mm. you know, I share my journey. And I had a woman message me. She was like, "I have a lump, and I've been so scared to go get a biopsy." But because I see you went, I'm gonna go too. And I was heartbroken for this woman because. Fear is the principal destroyer of our dreams and our life. Mm -hmm. Like, do you understand that when you, you're afraid to know something so you can do something about it so you can save yourself? Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I get it. Get it. Right? So I know you get it, but that there's somebody else listening. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure that we're not letting our fears block our blessings mm -hmm. because 
if you looked at the fear and said, man, I'm terrified, of course I was scared. Nobody's like, yay, I can't wait to go get a biopsy. And it's mm-hmm. Nobody goes in like that. Yeah. Everybody goes in with a degree of fear. But what I know is that when I have information and when I have knowledge, then I can develop wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I'm always in pursuit of wisdom. And so when I hear you say, um, I, I don't want to get tested, it's, listen, the tests don't have to mean anything except what you make it mean. But the test can give you insight so that you can make better decisions about your particular diet so that your cells and your DNA uh, transforms the way you need it to. Yeah, no one diet is no one diet is right for anybody. There are mm-hmm. some people who will thrive on a ketogenic diet, mm-hmm. and there are other people for whom a ketogenic diet will trigger cancer. Mm-hmm. There are some people who really need a lot of fat for their body, whereas other people, the fat will trigger cancer. So you, this is why understanding your own, we've gone, wow, we've really gone across yeah, the board. It's here. fine, but I'm loving it. So what type yeah. of genetic test, cause you're saying genetic testing. I'm like, no, never got it. But the idea of it scares me. But to be honest, I never even thought of genetic testing. I do. Yes. I can say that like, if something is bothering me, I mean, first I consult aunt Google. I used to say uncle Google, <laughs> but she's a, probably a woman cause she knows everything. So I would go to aunt Google and she would tell me whatever and scare me about whatever it is. But I do always book an appointment and I am someone who prefers a holistic doctor so I yeah, would go me to too. doctor and all that kind of stuff. But so I do, if anything feels off in anything, I mean, the other day, my eyebrow was twitching and I had to figure out, I'm like, am I deprived of sleep? Like yes. I do research and get all that stuff, yeah. but I did never, I've never thought of genetic testing. And this is crazy now. Cause I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, they were sick. They were sick. I used to be sick. So I don't see and it's what- 11, 11 right now. Is it? It's 11, 11. Okay. I'm getting it. I don't even know what that means, but I'm getting it. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me just quickly tell you. So there are uh, 14 hereditary cancer genes that you can be tested for to see if you carry just in your genes. Now, it, first of all, sorry, this is going to turn into a cancer conversation very quickly, but let's just inform people. Everyone has cancer cells in their body. We all have them. Mm-hmm. Whether or not someone gets a cancer diagnosis is determined by whether or not this, those cancer cells have begun to multiply uh, and divide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what you're looking for in the genetic testing is just to see, do I have a predisposition for any one of these different types of cancer? It doesn't mean you're going to get cancer. It doesn't mean that you're, you've got to go into, it means none of that. It's just more information so that you can make better decisions about how you eat and how you take care of your body. That's and are these all blood tests or are they it's like a, skin a graphs? Sim- or? No, it's a very simple blood test. You okay. get one vial of blood. It takes 25 seconds. Okay. You yeah, get yeah, the I- results back in seven to 10 days and you're good to go. And by the nice. way, the results do not change your life. But they also, like Rachel said, they're giving you information. And from that information, you can gain wisdom and decide what you're going to do with that information, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Guys, if you're getting, if you're listening to this podcast and you're listening to this part and you're like, oh my goodness, I feel cold to get testing or I feel cold to get a mammogram or I feel cold to do whatever, take a screenshot and take Rachel and I, she's at Girl Confident over on Instagram and I'm Gainette, G-A-Y-N-E-T-E. Um, and we'd love to chat with you about it as well. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Okay, geez, I loved that. I mean, we went way Sorry, off topic, we went, but no, they, I loved it. I loved how we went Somebody off. needed to hear it. Somebody, it's probably somebody's, a bunch of somebody's, right? Yeah. So let's talk about 
going back on track, it seems kind of hard. I'm like, I want to talk more about this. Okay. So let's get back <laughs> to the, the, the conference and the creating events and things like that. So what about seats, like butts and seats, right? What, oh, thing, so what, hard. <laughs> what things do you feel though that what like that really helped get people there to fly to Atlanta? Because there were people from all over the world. I flew from Bermuda uh, yeah. to Atlanta. I don't know. I don't know what got people to, what got you to fly from Bermuda? I don't know. <laughs> well, I know you did um like surveys afterwards as well. For me personally, well, I love you. So I was like, oh, she's having a conference. She's amazing. I'm going to check her out. And your lineup was awesome. I was excited to see Tiffany. I was excited to see Patrice, Angie. I wanted to see all of those guys speak and Maya. So I, I was like, yeah, no brainer. And Atlanta, people think, well, when they think of Bermuda, they think of the triangle and the shorts. But we're actually the tip of the triangle, guys. It's Bermuda, Florida, and I want to say, is it Puerto Rico? Or is it, yeah, Puerto Rico. And the three of them make the triangle. We're just at the top. So we're the name. But anyway, where was I going? Oh, we're actually close to the States. So we're only, is it like 600 miles or something like that from North Carolina? I can hop to New York in under two hours. And to get to Atlanta did not take a long time. So we're closer to Atlanta than a lot of people that are in the United States. So it was easy for me to hop there. Anywhere on the East Coast is an easy hop for me. So the conference was close. But I think even if it was on the West Coast, I would have been as well. But the speaker lineup just was exciting. The timing was great. It was a long weekend. So I just thought it was a, it was a good, um, it was a great timing. It was a great location. Was it a long weekend? Well, meaning it was over the weekend, I should say. So oh, literally, I, I, for me, I made it a long weekend. So I went there on the Thursday, I think. So I was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and left on the Monday. But yeah, it wasn't a holiday. Well, I think that to really, if I have to say like, well, what, why do people go? It's, I think it's because I talked about it even like I was sick of talking about it, but I still kept talking about it. And you will, you're going to get so sick. You're like, oh, I don't want to keep talking. Like just buy the ticket. Why do I have to keep selling you on it? You already know if you want, but no, you have to, because some people are timid. Some people have never been to it. You have to think about everybody. You did something when I purchased, and I'm sure you did it for probably everyone. Was it pre-recorded? Rachel sent a video when I I'm sent her message. I'm like, hey, got a ticket. And it was like, oh my God, I'm so excited you're here. And I'm like, I was really, it was one, it took me aback. Cause I'm like, this is amazing. Like she did a video. And then I'm like, wonder if it was pre-recorded and she sent the same video to everyone. But then I'm like, and even if she did, it's still amazing. You added that personal touch on DMs and Instagram. So that's no, that wasn't pre-recorded. That w- I did that. <laughs> Look at you. You are such a star. <laughs> no, I in the beginning I was calling people when they would get a ticket. I would call them and leave them a message and say like, "Hey, what I did, you know what? I'm not going to tell you the one thing I there are there are a couple tricks I did did do in terms of like reaching out to people, but I actually that's for my sold out experience program. So okay. Um, and but, you can tell us about that too. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you about that in a second. With the getting butts in the seats, is like you're going to be tired. You're going to be so over talking about it, but you still have to keep doing it. And you have to think about the fact that there are some people that have never been to a live event. There are some people who want to come, but they are incredibly shy and they're afraid to go by themselves. They're afraid that they're not going to know anybody. And I'm naturally outgoing. I'm an, in- I'm an outgoing introvert. At some mm-hmm. point, I really like my alone time. I don't want to talk to people at all. Mm -hmm. but I know how to be very social and I can talk to anybody. Not everybody's like that. And so I had to really think about the people who are not like that 
and position it in a way where they were going to feel welcomed as well. So you had to think about people outside of yourself, right? And you had to yeah. think about it even after you were tired of speaking about it. And the way the algorithms are set up, let's be honest, not everyone seeing it, even though you feel like you've spoken about it so much, yeah. everybody has to know about it. You'll be surprised the person that's My own sister what? didn't know. See? My yeah. sister who watches my stories did not know. And I was like, hey, sis, do you, she has a nail polish line. I said, do you want to come and have a booth at my event and do little mini manicures? And she was like, what event? I was like, are you kidding me? How do you not? I've been talking about this for months. You watch my story. She's like, I didn't see anything. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm not promoting this enough. Mm-hmm. And Everybody should have known. Yeah, I had to kick it up a notch. You got, you ha- I mean, you're going to be sick of talking about it. But at the whole time, you have to keep your enthusiasm and you have to keep your eye on the vision that this is going to be an amazing experience that you don't, they don't want to miss it. And you also have to tell them why they don't want to miss it. That was the mistake that I was making too. It was like, you want to be there. It's going to be the best. But why? Like what's in it for them? Don't forget to really highlight that for them. What's in it for them? And you mentioned your course, right? And you have so much, obviously just from listening to this, people would know about the knowledge you have as it relates to this event. And then there's things that she's holding back on because she's holding that for those who are investing in their success to learn more, right? Mm-hmm. So Rachel, if you could tell us a bit more about your course you just mentioned. Yeah, so it's called So That Experience. It's actually closed right now at the time of this recording, but I would highly recommend that you go to rachelluna.com is forward slash sold out to get on the wait list. And what I do in that program is I do live training sessions, like live stream training sessions, where I walk you through how to create a profitable experience. Because remember, people told me you can only have experience or profit. You can have both. Well, I also shared with you at the beginning that I walked into the room negative $30,000. Well, wouldn't you know that we made three more, more than three times that by the end of the weekend? Look at that. And so by when it was all said and done, I had, what do we have? Like a $40,000, $50,000 profit margin. This is the other thing, right? Even what appears to be your reality at the moment means that it's going to change too, or it's a possibility for it to change. And Rachel proved that he went in there at a minus 30 deficit, 30K deficit, and came out way more than that. So that's awesome after the event. So when is the course opening? Is it like specific date? Yeah, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be reopening in September, which I think is the perfect time because You want to start reaching out to sponsors before the fiscal year ends. Mm, And that's really important because they're making their budgetary decisions for the following year at the end of this year, especially like larger companies. So I want to be able to guide people through the whole sponsorship process. Like how do you reach out to sponsors? How do you get those products in the swag bag? What happens if they say no? What what are the backup? And so September, we're going to be reopening the doors in September. I'm very excited about it. It's going to be, you know, just an opportunity for those who join to really pick my brain. I mean, I have structure in the program. And when you go to rachelluna.biz forward slash sold out, you'll see all the modules, everything that you get. You get my templates, my budget tracking sheet, the little blurb that I sent to the sponsors, all the goodies. I mean, and I'll I actually put that in the show notes as well. Is there any live components to the course or is it strictly e-course? No, it's strictly, I mean, the live is that the, the course is taught in a live setting. Okay. So you could come and watch me speaking live and ask your questions live. 
while I'm teaching. Awesome. Okay. Love that. And a question I had about these events anyway, how do you figure out the cost of it? Are you looking at things based on how much it costs you to put it on? Are you doing it based on value? Are you doing it based on both? What do you, you look at when you're figuring yeah. out the cost? Because a lot so, of people say, I don't know what to charge. Yeah, all of that. You have to look at all of it. And that's why in Sold Out Experience, I provide a budget sheet for you Perfect. where it will show you how to add everything as well as where you should be pricing the tickets. And then I have another template that is not just for big live events, but also for people who want to do smaller retreats. So mm. say you don't want to do a 200 person event, you want to do like a 10, 15 person retreat, but you don't know how much to charge for that. I have a retreat budget checklist as well. Look at that. Um, and it does like all the calculations for you. You just have to fill in your numbers and it will tell you if you want to make X amount, you should charge this. If you want to make that, you should charge this. And guys, Rachel is the confidence queen. Okay. So what do you, how do you think confidence assists someone to run an event, Rachel? I mean that it's not just to run an event. The confidence is what helps you get in the door and mm -hmm. sell the events. Once you're there, and you see your vision come to life, you don't need confidence anymore. You mm -hmm. actually experience a knowing. Mm -hmm. The confidence gets you to build the room. Mm -hmm. I like that. And then that. it's just your gift is what gets you to carry the room. So what, are the, what about the people who feel like they don't have confidence, those who may lack it? How does one, do you think someone can gain confidence? I know this is what you teach and assist people with as well in your one-on-ones and some of your group sessions. So how do you think someone can get that? Well, the first thing is to stop saying that you're not confident. Mm -hmm. That's a good because one. The tongue is powerful. Yeah, we live and die by our tongue. Mm -hmm. So first of all, stop saying I'm not confident because you are confident in some area of your life. You might just be lacking confidence in this area. So it's very important that you measure and monitor your words. Secondly, if you want more confidence, then take more action because action breeds confidence as, as well as knowledge and wisdom. So if you don't know something, go do your research, investigate. Like, like you were saying, like talk to Ann Google. I'm all, I will Google the life out of anything before I let someone tell me what can and cannot be done. Look. I, yep. let me when tell my, you. When my mm -hmm. mom had the diagnosis for um, esophageal cancer, again, the doctors, you know how they talk to you about what is and what isn't and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I started looking for the exceptional cases online. That's what I started searching for because I knew that whatever yes. they me, there were people that didn't fit into that category. And those are the ones I started feeding to her. So it's important to use the tools we have in our hands well, at our fingertips, I should say, to assist us and not to pull us down because they can easily drive us the other way as well. And we can start looking at all the terrible things out there, but making mm -hmm. sure that you're staying aligned with things that are going to uplift you. Yep, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's interesting that you say that because it's so true. Like whatever you tell yourself, that will become your truth. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to take anybody else's word. I'm going to go investigate for myself because our faith is increased by hearing, not by seeing. So I need to, first of all, find the truth. Then I need to say it out loud so that I can hear it. 
or I need to listen to other people's stories of, you know, positivity and the truth that I desire. So then it can become my truth. Mm -hmm, For sure. No, I love that. And this is the Freedom Slay podcast. So I always like to ask, what does freedom mean to the guests? So Rachel, what does freedom mean Mm -hmm. to you? (sighs) You know, it's interesting because I'm a former U.S. Marine. Mm -hmm. And people always tell me that what they want is more freedom. And what they don't realize, especially those of us in the United States, is that we are already free. It's not that we're not free. It's that our mind has tricked us into thinking that we're in a prison. So for me, real freedom is recognizing that you already have that which you desire. And all you have to do is receive it. You have what it is that you desire already. Rachel, like seriously, Awesome, awesome, awesome. And we touched on all things. So we touched on events. We touched on confidence. We touched on cancer and getting screened genetically. <laughs> we touched on so many things in this podcast. I know you're at rachelluna.biz. You're at Girl Confident on Instagram. I'm going to link all your things, girl. And then you're at rachelluna.biz forward slash sold out for your event. I'll link that all in the show notes. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us? No, this was great. The, oh, you know what? Go to confidenceactivated.com and get the replays. I think that's still- I've got my replay, guys. I loved it so much. The second she said there was replays, I was all on it. Yes, it was good. It was a great event. I'm not going to act like it wasn't. It really was. I was proud of it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rachel. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So grateful. Thanks, guys. I'll speak soon. Okay, okay. I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you.